Good morning. For those of you I haven't met yet, my name's Steph. I'm a pastoral intern here at Hope, and I'm excited to be able to bring you the message this morning. Well, welcome to our friends online, if you're watching at home as well. Um, We're going to be continuing today with our sermon series, The Master Gardener. This is actually the last sermon in this series. We'll start a new series next week. But in The Master Gardener, we've been talking about parables that have sort of an agricultural lean to them, because we're a farming community, many of us around here, so we like to hear stories that we can understand. And Jesus did a lot of parables about agriculture, and we get to learn how we grow in faith through them. So with that, would you please join me in a word of prayer as we begin? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every individual in this room. I thank you for this message. I pray that we would hear a word from you today. I pray that my words would be yours and that all else would fall away. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have to start today with a bit of an apology for those who have been here um, recently. I continue to bring up my dog as material here, and today is not going to be any different. So my dog just makes for good material because he's naughty, and just like frankly, he's disobedient much of the time. So (laughs) he makes for good material. Um, So if you remember, if you were here before and you heard this message, um, my dog recently, he's very furry. He's a big boy, and he's a Bernadoodle. He's fluffy, or he was fluffy, but he got all matted underneath, and we had to shave him down. Well, since we had to shave him down to the skin, he got cold, because he was used to being all covered in fur, and then he was shaved down to nothing. So he got very cold. And because he was cold, we let some things slide at home, like we started letting him sleep on the bed, which was a slippery slope, because now he believes he has full run of the house. Like, everything is his, he has claimed everything as his own, right down to our socks. And I mention the socks, because He claims these as his own so much that he will randomly just run away with one and decide that he will not give it back. If you guys have dogs, maybe you can relate. Um, So he runs away with them, and recently, just days after he was shaved down, he actually claimed one of those socks so much as his own and didn't want to give give it up so badly that he swallowed it which meant unfortunate things for my poor dog, Chewy. That meant he had to go to the vet, where they forcefully made the sock reemerge. I heard it was a little violent as it reemerged. So unfortunate for the dog. But the vet was really gracious. Afterwards, she was talking to me, and she was like, Chewy vomited from the depths of his soul. And he regrets nothing. Which is apparent by this picture that was taken days later. Actually, days ago. (laughs) That's Chewy with a sock in his mouth. He has learned nothing, and he regrets nothing. And I think we're like that sometimes. We can make the same mistakes over and over again. And we learn nothing. We learn nothing. Sometimes we can hang on to things so tightly that we decide that they're ours, we claim them for our own, 
and we want to keep a hold of them, even if it is unfortunate for us. So today we're going to talk about what God has to say about this, what God says is ours, what he says is his, as we walk through this parable of the vineyard. And if you have your Bible on you, we're going to start in Matthew 21, we're going to start at verse 33, which says, there was a landowner who planted a vineyard, he put a wall around it, he dug a wine press in it, and he built a watchtower. So this vineyard was not some plot of land that a landowner was like, there, farm it. No, this was a cared-for vineyard. He put a fence around it to protect it. He built a watchtower to watch over it and a wine press in it so that it was productive. This is a cared-for vineyard. The landowner cares about this vineyard. And then, as we continue, then he rented the vineyard to, this, to some farmers, and he moved to another place. So the landowner rented this vineyard, as was common practice, to some farmers, and then he left. And when harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. His fruit. So this would have been common practice in Jesus' day. There would be a plot of land, and the landowner wouldn't necessarily be the one working it. He would have tenants that were working the land. But what happened was the tenants would receive a share of the crop, and the landowner would receive a share of the crop. So the landowner would send servants back to collect his share. And that's what happened in this example here. So when the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. So what happens? What happens when the servants get there? Well, the tenants seize the landowner's servants. They beat one. They killed another. They stoned a third. Which meant the landowner still didn't get his fruit, right? So he sent more servants. And what happened then? He sent more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. So last of all, the landowner says, surely they will respect the authority of my son. So the landowner sent his son to collect the fruit. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took the son, they threw him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. So let's talk for a moment about who Jesus is talking to and what's happening here. So just to give you a little bit of context, this is just days before Jesus goes to the cross. So this is days before that happens. And this is right after he has like been flipping tables in the temple because he says that the leaders have turned it into a den of thieves. So this is days before, and he's talking to the chief priests, the elders, the religious leaders of the time. And he's telling them this parable. So he's telling them this story. So after, as Jesus does, right, he wants to make sure that the chief priests and the elders are understanding it, what he's saying. So then he asks them a question. So in our next, in our next verse here, Jesus is asking the chief priests and the elders a question. He says, therefore, since the Servants have been killed or beaten, and the son has been killed, and the landowner still has no fruit. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants who beat, stoned, killed his son, his servants, and then didn't give him his share? What will the landowner do to the tenants? And then 
the chief priests and the elders answer him, and they say, well, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at the harvest time. He will bring the wretched wretches to an end? And he won't let them tend it anymore? And he'll give it to someone else? I wonder who those wretched wretches are. The chief priests and the elders figured out he was talking about them. So they continued to plot and kill them. But to see that, like, let's see who's who in this. So, because it took me a minute to sort of break it down, like, what do we have going on? We've got a landowner, we've got servants, we've got tenants, we've got, like, what is happening here? So, I've got a little slide that breaks it down. So, the landowner is God. We've got the landowner who is God. We've got the vineyard, which is Israel. And I'm not talking about the land Israel, but the people Israel. God's chosen people, Israel. Okay? Then we've got the tenants. And that's the religious leaders, the chief priests, the elders of the time. That's the tenants. That's the wretched wretches, if y'all are following. Yeah. Servants. We've got the servants are the prophets. So these are people that the, that the landowner, or God in this case, has sent to collect, has sent to warn those chief priests and elders that they sent them. Okay. And then we've got the son, which is Jesus. So who are these new tenants? We talked about the the chief priests and the elders, when they answered the question, they said, well, the landowner will bring those wretched wretches to their wretched end, and then he'll give the vineyard to other tenants. Who are these new tenants? We are the new tenants, church. We are the new tenants. So what do we do with that? How do we move forward from there? Because this lesson that he's trying to teach the chief priests and the elders is it's not a new thing. This, this giving up what belongs to God, this isn't a new lesson. It's something that we've had to learn over and over and over through time. So if we go back to Adam and Eve, you'll see one example of this. So God entrusted Adam and Eve with creation, and they were meant to work it and to be fruitful in their labor. And then he said, but just not this tree. Just, I've entrusted all of these things to you, this beautiful creation. This tree's mine, though. This is my share. Don't touch that one. But because, Adam, because humans, even though they were entrusted to care for the garden, this lack of faith and trust crept in, that God may not have their best interests in mind. So instead of just working what they said they would work and giving God his share, they took the fruit from the tree that they weren't supposed to take from, and they claimed it as their own. It wasn't theirs, but they claimed it as their own. They felt like they were entitled to it. So we see that as an example in Adam and Eve. We see another example in Isaiah 5, where there's another vineyard, and another vineyard that has a wall built around it and a watchtower put over it and a wine press put in it so that it's a protected, loved, guarded vineyard. And all God wanted was for it to produce good fruit. But all it did was produce bad fruit. And then we move to this parable, this parable of the vineyard, 
where the tenants, again, the religious leaders, are still not doing what they've said they were going to do, which was give the fruit back to God, and they're not doing that. So what do we do now? Like, what, what in the world now does this relate to? Right? Those, those tenants didn't honor God with what they were doing. In each case, it brought sin, and death, and destruction into the world. So, as a result, we've got that sin, death, and destruction. Adam and Eve, when they, when they did their, when they took from the tree that they weren't supposed to take from, it brought sin and covered the entire world, right? Sin and death covered the world. And then in Isaiah 5, we have that vineyard. Because it was producing bad fruit, God destroyed it. Sin, death, destruction. But in this parable today, death comes in a different way. We don't have death entering the world. We have Jesus dying on a cross. Because the Son came, right? And now he died on a cross, and his death covers the sin of the world with his blood. So instead of entering sin and death into the world, Jesus covers it. So instead of breaking the relationship like Adam and Eve, Jesus mends it. So the veil is torn, and the relationship can be renewed. New life happens because of Jesus' death on the cross. Because God so loved the world that he sent his only son. But there's still warning here, right? There's still warning in this parable for us today. Because I admit, I feel like when I work for something, it's mine. I get to keep it. I get to claim it. I get to hang on to it as my own, as if I'm a dog with a sock running away. And that looks different for each of us. Like, each of us have a different thing in our lives that we want to claim as our own, and we want to cling to it and hang on to it as, as if it's ours. It might be money. It might be possessions, like a house or a car. It might be family. It might be our kids. Things that aren't ours, but we want to claim them as our own, but really, they belong to God. These are tough, right? Because when we've had things for so long in our lives, we want to claim them as our own. I'm doing the work here. I should get to claim it as my own. That's how the tenants felt, right? I'm doing the work here in this vineyard. Why should the landowner get his share? But this is a warning, right? Because we're seeing human character unfold in this parable. And we're seeing it as rebellious, sinful, depraved, ungrateful, selfish, disloyal. We can be all of those things as human, but humans, but we also see God's character in this parable. We see that he's merciful, that he's loving, that he's generous, that he provides, that he protects, he watches over us, but we also see that he's just in this parable. And like Adam and Eve, we get into trouble when we don't trust that God has our best in mind. When we don't have faith that he has our best in mind, that's when we get into trouble. So who's who now? 
What do we do from here? Here's a different slide. So now, where it's landowner, still God. The vineyard is the world. And I don't mean the world like the earth. I mean the world like God's people. The vineyard is God's people. The new tenants, that's us. We've been entrusted to care for the vineyard, for God's people. That's us. The owner's son, still Jesus. And he will come again one day to collect. Because the world, the world is a vineyard. But we don't own it. We've been entrusted to tend to it. We don't own it. It's on loan. But God knows, and I know, I can't do this on my own. I am selfish and prideful, and I have all these human tendencies. I want to claim ownership of things I work for. I want to hang on to them tight, and I want to run away. And God knew we'd have this challenge. He knew we'd have this challenge because, like I said, we demonstrated it over and over in Adam and Eve, in Isaiah, in countless stories throughout the Bible, we demonstrated that we don't honor God in what we do. But God so loved the world. So how do we honor God? How do we honor God in this? So as new tenants, we have to know that we have to do something differently than the old tenants. We can't become those wretched wretches, right? We have to do something differently. So we honor God in a way that they didn't. We consider everything that we have, our family, our homes, our, uh, our relationship with God, we consider all of those things good things that come into our lives because they are given from him. But we don't own them. They're on loan. We're entitled to nothing. But we honor God by trusting by trusting him, by having faith, by obeying, by being obedient, by sharing his love with others, by loving him and serving him and loving others and serving others. That's how we honor God. By having gratitude. By not taking those good things that come into our lives and hanging on to them for ourselves because if we do that, we turn God's provision into pride. But the good news is that we don't have to do that because if we turn that pride into praise and we give it back to God, that's how we battle. That's how we battle all the pride. We turn it into praise. Whatever blessings, whatever goodness comes into our lives, we turn it into praise. And even if things are tough right now and things are hard to find things praiseworthy in your life, praise for the breath in your lungs, for simple things, for family, for your restored relationship with God. Praise for simple things so that they don't turn into pride. And then share and go tell others about Jesus' goodness and what he has done for us. Because even though sometimes we feel like grabbing something and thinking it's ours and taking it for ourselves and running away like a dog with a sock and claiming it as mine, because those are some of the first words we learn as toddlers, right? Mine. It's like deeply ingrained into us. Instead of doing that, we give thanks and praise to God for what we have. And we serve and love him and his people. 
trusting that he will care for us no matter what we are going through, no matter what comes into our lives. Because we've been entrusted to care for the vineyard. We've been entrusted to care for God's people, the world, until that day when by the creator's authority, the sun comes again to collect. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this message. Lord, help us to turn anything that has become prideful into praise for you. Help us to give over those things that we cling so tightly to so that we can, we can give you the glory. Lord, thank you for sending your son Jesus to co- cover all of our sins, to cover that character that, that we want to turn so badly into pride and we want to hang on to things and claim them as mine. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus to cover that and help us to turn all the good things in our lives into glory for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.